0: we will be learning and giving instruction as to how that our children children's ministry, children's ministry uh, operates uh, with kids' prayer. And they're also going to be demonstrating for us tonight how that um, our kids' prayer program will work. So through the night, you're going to see movement from some of the the students. You may see them moving about the room. This is normal activity. It's just like that they are in class, all right? So they know that. Uh, They have not been instructed what to say or how to do. They just know that they are to function as they do in a normal kids' prayer setting tonight. So when you see that movement, don't think that anything is awkward or out of sorts or somebody's doing something they shouldn't. Just follow along, pay attention. And uh, I also want to say that uh, how proud I am of our kids ministry, our children's ministry uh, team that has worked so hard to create the stage set and put together all the curriculum tonight and uh, the lessons and instructions. And they've worked very, very hard. And I think we ought to give them a great big hand and we appreciate them so very much. And thank you. Thank you for being part. And we're glad to have our students that have come on this Friday evening to be part of this, and you're going to enjoy getting to see them in operation and hear from them. Let's give all of our students a great big hand tonight as well. Now, one more thing before we pray, and I'm going to step aside and uh, turn this team loose tonight to uh, operate and work. I do want to say that this is not the only way for things to operate And we don't come tonight with the attitude that this is the only way to do it. The way we do come tonight is to let you know this is how we are doing it and what is working for us. And several people have been asking uh, how this operates and how it works. And so uh, hopefully tonight will be helpful and uh, be a great resource for you to be able to draw from. And so we thank you for being here this evening. I do want to say that our kids' ministry uh, began... The growth of our church. When I look back over the history of our church and the growth pattern, I see that uh, actually the first area of our church to break forth in growth about eight or nine years ago was our kids' ministry, and that was because of kids' prayer. And our student ministry has grown and developed, and uh, we're so very proud of them. And we do understand that one of the most crucial areas of a church and for church growth is children's ministry. Student ministries is so very important. And so it is worth your time. And so we thank you for being here tonight and giving your time. And we hope that uh, what you receive tonight is something that you can Uh, put into practice. If you are a member of CLC, hopefully you can put this in practice in your home or in the future. If you're not part of our kids ministry program, that you would like to be part of student ministries and can get involved in the future. If you're a guest with us from another church, hopefully you will learn something tonight that you can take home with you that will help you to grow and develop kids ministry. We love children at Christian Life Church, and we're proud to, to present this program to you tonight. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand with us, and we're going to pray and ask the blessings of the Lord over everything that we're doing tonight, and our student pastor is going to step up and leave a word here in just a moment, and uh, we're going to get things moving in operation. Why don't you just reach over, take a neighbor by the hand if it's appropriate, and we're going to pray together tonight and pray that the blessings of the Lord would flow into the house tonight and that everything would be anointed that we do tonight. Let's pray sincerely unto the Lord tonight. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather into your house on this Friday evening. Lord, with this group of people that have come, Lord, to focus on prayer, The very thing that we call upon your name and reach to you now for, asking for your help, your strength, your guidance, your direction, asking you, O Lord, to help us throughout this night, every student, every instructor, teacher, speaker tonight, every song, every part of of this seminar tonight, Lord, we pray your blessings upon every person, Lord, every church that is going to be affected by this tonight, every ministry that is going to be affected tonight. And we give you honor and we give you praise and we give you thanksgiving in Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. In times of
1: war or uncertainty, there is a special breed of warrior, ready to answer our nation's call, a common man with uncommon desire to succeed. Forged by adversity, he stands alongside America's finest special operations forces, to serve his country, the American people, and to protect their way of life. I am that man. My loyalty to country and team is beyond reproach. I humbly serve as a guardian of my fellow Americans, always ready to defend those who are unable to defend themselves. I do not advertise the nature of my work, nor seek recognition for my actions. I voluntarily accept the inherent danger of my profession, placing the welfare and security of others before my own. I serve with honor on and off the battlefield. The ability to control my emotion and my actions regardless of circumstance sets me apart from other men. Uncompromising integrity is my standard. My character and honor are steadfast. My word is my bond. We expect to lead and to be led. In the absence of order, I will take charge. I will lead my teammates and accomplish the mission. I lead by example in all situations. I will never quit. I preserve and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish our mission. I am never out of the fight. We demand discipline. We expect innovation. The lives of my teammates and the success of our mission depend on me, my technical skill, tactical proficiency, and attention to detail. My training is never complete. We train for war and fight to win. I stand ready to bring the full spectrum of combat power to bear in order to achieve my mission and the goals established by my country. The execution of my duties will be swift and the violent will uh, yet required and are guided by the very principles that I serve to defend. Brave men and women have fought and died, building the proud tradition and feared reputation that I am bound to uphold. In the worst of conditions, the legacy of my teammates steadies my resolve and silently guides my every deed. I will not fail. I have just read to you our our nation But tonight I don't want to. Four of 18. Tonight, to bring it to a biblical point in Matthew 18, there's a time when the disciples asked Jesus, Who's the greatest in all the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and he set him in the midst of them said, Verily, I say unto you, except he be converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this child. The same is greatness or greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Even Jesus understood that there's an atmosphere and there's a level of faith that only children really have. We spend our entire lifetime as adults getting back to that childlike faith where God can do anything, where there's no boundaries, where if if he talks to me, I'll believe it. And if he says he'll do something, I trust in it. That's what we believe tonight The Bible speaks of stories so great where we look at Joseph being a a child again, the baby of the family of sorts, and and he would be a dreamer, and he would dream of where the entire family would be bowing down, and he'd be at a a place of a position and a a place upon high uh, to speak. And and when we look at Joseph, we see such a great man that that rose to second to command and, and saved his family, but really, Joseph started as a child. Even when we look at David, we see that, uh, at a young age, being a shepherd, animals that would come and tear him from limb to limb. That never happened because God protected him. And then that great day when the child went to face Goliath. Nothing but a slingshot and a few rocks. Could you imagine? They say that that, that giant was anywhere from eight, and I've heard up to 15 feet tall. Massive. You ever seen Shack? It's unbelievable the parallel difference between the two. And and when you see, and, and people don't really understand the gravity of how small he was, he had to take the sword and use it like a paper cutter. Couldn't lift it. But he finished the victory. He finished what God set out and what God said would happen. So if I could change the creed to be in our creed, it would be something like this. In times of war or uncertainty, there is a special breed of prayer warrior ready to answer our church's call, a common man or child with uncommon desire to reach the throne of God. Forged by adversity, they stand alone, the church's finest special operations forces to serve his God, the people, and to protect their way of life. I am that man. I will never quit I'll persevere and thrive on adversity. My God expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. Does anyone believe that tonight? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Even our children, they won't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. If, I, if knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish our mission. I am never out of the fight. My training is never complete. And I will not fail. I don't know about you tonight. We're going to cover seven different topics of children's prayer. We're going to understand what it means to be in a boot camp and to be trained because even the world trains its people. So, who are we to not train our children? I don't want my child to grow up and to leave church and to leave truth. I want my children to draw close to God. I don't want them to know what it's like to go out and to get caught and wrapped up in the things of this world. I don't want that when they get old, they'll come back. I don't don't want them to ever leave. I don't want them to know what it means to come back because they'll have never left. I thank God for this church. I don't know about you and I don't know about tonight as far as what your thoughts are, but God will do something miraculous if we believe he can and if we have a childlike faith. Amen. Can we just worship him for just a minute? He's so worthy tonight. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
2: Well, this is an exciting time for our church and our children, uh, starting off our boot camp, and it's going to be very exciting. Uh, First off, what we are teaching tonight and partially training, we will train a whole lot when we're in our individual classes, but what we're teaching about tonight is just really listening and walking in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I was raised in a home that my dad... Walked in the Spirit. You may wake up at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, awakened by Him speaking in tongues because the Lord had laid something on His heart that He needed to pray about. And He would pray it through and follow it through. And if we learn to fine tune our ears to that still small voice, it will lead and guide us. We're going to talk about training our children to walk in the Spirit, we're going to cover worship hearing and obeying God's voice, kingdom praying, healing, scribe's desk, scripture prayers, I love scripture prayers, armor of God. And don't be surprised if you find one of these essential tools that will help you grow in your own spiritual walk with the Lord. It's important to know that when a child receives the Holy Ghost, that they don't receive a junior Holy Ghost. They receive the same Holy Ghost that raised Christ from the dead and that an adult receives. They are a member of the body of Christ, and every member has its job to do. Worship is openly expressing our delight in God. Worship is akin to complimenting. It is first noticing something good about God and then expressing our delight in some way. Our children are constantly watching us. What we demonstrate, hopefully, we will be demonstrating sincere worship from our hearts. As worship cannot be taught, it must be caught. Have you ever suffered from worship envy? Wish they would play that song again so maybe you could run the aisles or shout and dance before the Lord? Worship envy. I wish I felt strong enough not to have it. The reserve not to just break forth in worship to the Lord the way my heart really wants to. Uh, Let's learn to go from worship envy envy, to freedom. Don't let that moment pass you by. Pastors spoken on that several times. Everyone's worship doesn't always look the same. Whether it's quietly falling tears or head-banging moves, (laughs) leaping for joy, or it looks like ballroom dancing. I know that in one church I visited, I saw a man and he was doing like the Three Stooges head rub. And I, it bro- I broke into tears. And then somebody came up afterwards and apologized. And I said, no apology needed. He felt the spirit of God. And I, I enjoyed that. I've watched some of our little girls leap and clap their hands and smile at each other as they were singing. Pure delight. Psalms 37.4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Not only does God deserve our worship, but he has promised to give us the desires of our heart as we delight ourselves in him. If some of you uh, older will start uh, giving t- uh, some instruments. One of the most important things that children can contribute to the body of Christ is Worship. Why? Because when they do, God's enemies are silenced. Psalms 8, 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Satan is known as the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12 and 10, which means he is constantly trying to tattle on us or make things up and get us in trouble with each other, ourselves and God. If he is silenced by the worship of children, then his main weapon, Satan's main weapon is his mouth. Just like the school teacher always said, you can't hear me if you're talking. She silenced her student. If we are worshiping, then we can't hear what the devil's trying to say because we have silenced him. Can we all stand here for just a few minutes? we'll wake everybody up. We're going to worship the Lord. Now, our young ones, you get out here and you shake your instruments for the Lord. We're going to worship him. And adults, put a little room between you and your part your person sitting next to you. I want you to be able to worship. Now, I don't know if any of us ladies will do some head banging. <laughs> But we're going to let the Lord know we're here, even if it's just your hands. We're going to worship the Lord. there at the devil could you state your name please we've silenced the devil because of our worship good job okay you can sit down very quietly one church called the traditional altar area at the front of the church the dance floor during times of corporate worship at the opening of services They would announce the dance floor is open. The youth of CLC automatically gravitate to the front of the church for worship. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. After you implement this kind of worship in your church, you won't have to pry and drag your children to the altar they will already be there waiting for you to join them.
3: Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Everyone doing all right tonight? As my husband stated earlier, you're going to see a lot of activity. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I was just a little bit disappointed in the worship that I just saw because I watch you guys on Sunday nights. And I know I see a lot of jumping and a shouting and carrying on. So we want the kids to know that they are free to operate the way that they would normally operate. <laughs> Not only that, but why should the kids operate freely and the adults feel squelched? So we want the adults to feel like that they can operate just like the kids are operating. And when we uh, operate in freedom, God is going to show up. His word promises where two or three are gathered together in his name. That's more than or less than what there is here tonight. And God is going to do something awesome. I do real quick uh, would like to mention we put in your hand a folder Um, there it's not necessarily an outline yet there are some things that you can follow along with if you would like and in the back of the folder is some blank paper if you would like to take notes so just know that um, if we're not saying word for word what is there this is for your reference and also to be able to take home and to refresh your memory I do want to say a huge huge thank you to, uh, I'm going to say, the men and the ladies who um, provided us with the decor that you see behind me. These uniforms that are over to the side represent men within this congregation or associated with this congregation. Uh, One of those uniforms belongs to Brother Mike Brooks. Uh, Two of the, three of the uniforms, four of the uniforms Uh, belonged to Rick Abbott as well as the cot and multiple items up here the sailor uniform belonged to Denny Rennick how in the world he fit in that thing I cannot figure it out I'm just telling you right now And then um, over here to uh, the far side, uh, that uniform belonged to Rick Campbell. And so we want to thank them for allowing us to use those items. And, of course, we want to honor them for their service. Amen. By show of hands... How many of you can say that you have heard at one time or another the voice of the Lord speak to you? All right. By show of hands, how many of you can say that you've heard him, to, him speak to you within the last month? All right. In the last week. No right or wrong answers. How many of you have heard the Lord speaking to you today? That is about to change because we are all going to hear the Lord speak to us tonight. From the creation of man in the Garden of Eden, it was the intention of God to walk and to talk with his creation every day. But when Adam and Eve sinned against the command of God to not eat of the tree of good and evil, it severed that relationship with their creator. He still dealt with them, but not in the same perfect manner that he intended. We know this because the Bible records in Genesis, the third chapter, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Why did they hide themselves? Because they knew that their lives were no longer in line with him. The purpose of the cross of Calvary was to right man's relationship with his creator. When his spirit fills us, our spirit becomes aligned To his spirit. Can anybody testify to that? It is this alignment that allows his intent to be fulfilled, which is to walk and to talk with us every day. Everyone say "Every every day. John 10 and 27 says, my sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. You cannot separate hearing the voice of God from walking in the spirit. My husband and I have been married for 25 years. I know that seems impossible, but I got married when I was 10. So (laughs) I recognize his voice when he calls my name because I have a daily relationship with him. We talk every day. That's what married people should do unless they just totally hate each other and don't want to speak. When he calls me, I don't have to look and say, okay, whose number is this? Or ask, who is this? Because I recognize his voice when he says, hey, babe. There's not anybody else that calls me babe, or there better not be anybody else that's calling me babe. I recognize his voice. The same is true when we have a daily relationship with the Lord. Children must be trained to have a daily relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not something that you pick up and you put down, but that relationship becomes who you are. It's a part of your everyday life, a relationship with God. We're not just Christians on Sunday and on Wednesday, but hopefully we have a relationship with God on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday when everyone else is going to the club and on Saturday night. It just is who that we are. Some of you know uh, Pastor Rashidi Collins from Tampa, Florida. I got to see his wife at NAYC and uh, we're really good friends and almost two peas in a pod, to be honest. And uh, she said, I want to share something with you that the Lord has shown me and has been dealing with me about. Now, of course, she has a very thick Jamaican accent, and I am not even going to attempt to uh, demonstrate her accent for you. But she said, I've always dealt with my relationship with God like this. And when I pray, Lord, would you help me today? God, I I need you uh, to provide for us. We are finances. And she said, I've always dealt with my relationship with God as a vertical relationship. She said, but there's something about that because when I'm done I look down and I walk away and I leave that relationship like this. She said, but the Lord dealt with me that if he is an ever present help in time of trouble, that relationship is not like that. It means that he is right here, right where we are, walking with us every day. Uh, almost a horizontal relationship. And so it's Lord, oh you're you're here. Thanks for hearing me. Can you help me? Would you walk with me today? Would you guide my feet if if I'm headed the wrong direction? Would you whisper in my ear that's not the right direction to go? And she said if we will start dealing with our relationship as a horizontal type of relationship instead of a vertical relationship, You can't walk away from it because if you turn, he's there, and if you go this way, he's there, and oh, everywhere I look, you are there. It is a relationship that will cause us to walk in the spirit. We will reverence God with our lives. We'll be more careful about what we say and where we go and how we act because, oh, Lord, you're right there. Sorry about that. I don't want to disappoint you. Children must be taught to understand that God is a spirit. He has no shape and no form. That is how that he is everywhere and that he knows all things. At the same time, we are spirit The Bible says that when we die, our spirit will return to him. Our bodies will decay, but our spirit, who we really are, will return to the Lord. We are not human or flesh beings having a temporary spiritual experience, but we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. Does that make sense to everybody? And so understanding this, God will most often speak to us through our spirit instead of our natural senses. That's not to say that he can't speak to us in an audible voice. But the Bible speaks more often of him speaking in that still, quiet, small voice. That voice that we hear on the inside As humans, we are born with an external set of ears that's located on the side of your head, right? Inside the ear canal are eardrums. The eardrums perceive sound by detecting vibrations. Those vibrations are transduced into nerve impulses that are perceived by the brain. Then the brain processes the sound into understanding. The problem with hearing the hearing process is the fact that it is processed by our brains, our human thinking, our human reasoning. Spiritual ears, however, are located in our innermost being. This is the area where our feelings are sensed the most. How many of you have ever ridden a roller coaster and you get in and you strap in and you start, here we go, it's, it's getting ready to go. And then all of a sudden, clink, 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 clink. And you start getting that real, whew, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And you you check, <laughs> is everything buckled? <laughs> when this thing turns upside down, am I gonna fly like Superman or am I safe? You start getting that little bit, that nervousness feeling. Everybody know what I'm talking about. And I just lost my, pro- my place. Um, It is that butterfly feeling that we get or our gut feeling. Has anybody ever gone on a gut feeling? It's that inner voice you sense that says, you really shouldn't be doing that. Some people would call that their conscience, but it's really the voice of God attempting to speak to you. I believe that the purpose of a different location for our spiritual ears besides the side of our head is that what we hear bypasses our own thinking and understanding. We don't ask the question, was that God or was that me? The general rule of thumb is this. The first voice that you sense is God. The second voice you hear is your own voice trying to reason out why that first voice couldn't have possibly have been God. When we heed to the second voice, nine times out of ten, we will talk ourselves out of heeding to the voice of God because we process it through our reasoning and our thinking. The question may be asked, well, how can I be sure that that was God speaking if the voice that you hear in your spirit doesn't sound like God doesn't line up with the word or goes against what your pastor teaches then ignore it but if that voice lines up with those three elements then listen and obey because it was the voice of God It is through listening to the voice of God and walking in the Spirit that children will learn to navigate the spiritual world from the confines of the natural world. Hearing the voice of God is not spooky. Uh, I I know that as a child, I always thought that it was going to be that, Annette. Dear Lord, talking to me. It's not. It's not spooky. That was my thought process. I'm going to be honest. Like, I don't that's just kind of how I am. I have to be honest about it. It's not new age, and it's not charismatic, as some would think. It is and has been the plan of God from the very beginning. His word declares it, to talk with us every day. The more we practice hearing his voice, the more comfortable we will feel in recognizing his voice, acknowledging his voice, and obeying his voice. Most of the time when we invite children to pray, especially in a corporate setting, it is to ask God, for something. God, my grandma needs healed. God, bless my mom and dad. God, we need, it's like the genie in the bottle. Here, let us give you the wish list, and then you perform all of this for us. Seldom do we give children or ourselves a chance to corporately or individually take time to listen for God to speak to them. Children are never too young, Let's say that one more time. Children are never too young to hear the Lord speaking to them. In fact, this past summer at um, Indiana camp, Brantley decided that he was wanting to sit with Aunt Nett. And so... When the choir got up, he decided he was ready to worship. And that kid stood up on those seats. Some of you were there to see it. And he's clapping his hands. And he's waving his hands. And I'm, of course, I'm the encourager, not inciting him to rebellion, just inciting him to worship. And I'm like, yeah, Brantley, that's it. Come on, buddy, worship the Lord. And he'd worship. And then I'd say, oh, Jesus, give Brantley the Holy Ghost. Worship some more. And he'd, you know, all through. And then finally he got down. And I said, well, let's step out in the aisle, Brantley. And so we got out in the aisle as everyone's worshiping. And he's jumping and all, you know, a kid. And so when it was all over, I took him. I said, let's go sit down. I sent him on my lap. And I said, Brantley, did you hear Jesus speak to you? And without hesitation, he said, Yes. And it kind of surprised me because he hasn't been through kids' prayer yet. And I said, He did. That's awesome. What did Jesus say to you? And I promise you, not one ounce of hesitation. And he looked at me, he said, He said, Praise me. He's two. When he came that quickly and didn't have to think about it, I knew Jesus just spoke to a two-year-old child. And so you know what I did? I encouraged it. Yes, Brantley, Jesus did speak to you. Oh, lift your hands. Tell him, thank you, Jesus, for speaking to me. They're never too young to hear the voice of the Lord. In fact, the younger that we teach them to recognize the voice of God, the more quickly they will sense or hear things in their spirit. You know why? It's not second nature. It's first nature. It's who they are. They're accustomed to it. That's why we encourage them to worship. I don't want these kids to sit still and You should be seen and not heard and don't worship. But then all of a sudden at age 14, well, you need the Holy Ghost. I need the what? You want me to go where? You want me to do what? You want me to lift my hands? You want me to talk out loud? And then they're panicked. I don't want to do that. I'm embarrassed. I'm too cool for school. I don't want to get up there and do that. The younger that we train them, it becomes first nature instead of second nature. And there's no question about it. This is who I am and this is what we do when we go to church. For children, it's not always easy for them to verbalize what they sense or they feel because they're young. They don't have the vocabulary capacity that an adult has. So just like a new babe in Christ, the Lord may speak to them on the level where they are. When God speaks to them, they may hear just a simple word or a phrase. They may hear a part of a scripture that comes to their mind that they've heard in church. They may see a color, just a, a, just a simple color. They may see a picture or a small movie playing out in their head like a vision. However God speaks to them, it is our responsibility as children's ministry staff and as parents and as grandparents to guide them in understanding what they have seen and heard. Leading a listening time is very simple. We understand that it is the will of God, we've already established this, to speak to his children every day. We're going to ask the Lord what he wants to say to us for that day or for that moment. And then we are going to take the time to be silent and to listen, and then encourage them to share with us what they heard, what they saw, or what they felt. Nothing is silly, nothing is insignificant, and God will confirm his word in the mouth of two or three witnesses. He does it every time and he's getting ready to speak to us right now. Anybody feel shocked about that? Do you believe that God wants to speak to us tonight? Very, very simple. So this is what I want you to do. In the front cover of your folder is a pair of ears. Take those out. Those are your supersonic ears. Your spiritual ears, Larry boys, supersonic ears, supernatural powers. All right? Now, I want you to take those, and I want you to hold them in the, in the area of your body that you would consider your innermost being. Where would that be? In this general vicinity? The belly, the gut, the heart, the innermost being. Now, do me a favor. Close your eyes, and I want you to focus on that feeling that you have that represents your innermost being. Because it is at that spot where his spirit is going to speak into your spirit. Now, this is what we're going to do. I want kids and adults participating alike. So, kids, let's take our time to be silent. Close your eyes. And we are going to pray a simple prayer that God would speak into our spirits whatever he has for us today. And then we're going to be silent, and we're just going to listen. And the first thing that comes to your mind or into your spirit is the voice of God. All right? Lord, we're coming to you tonight with the understanding that that it is your desire to speak to us on a daily basis. And we are confident that you want to speak to us tonight. Lord, we are going to take the time to listen for your voice. And whatever that you have for this group of people tonight, would you not only speak it into our spirit, but would you also confirm your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now take the time just to focus. Okay. How many of you felt Lord speak something to you or show you something? Would you raise your hand? Okay, we're going to start on this side, and then I want you to raise your hand on this side. So if you're on this side, keep your hand up. Robin? I'm with you always. Who else was it? Mary? Be peaceful. Peaceful. Beck. Okay, anybody else on this side? Sister Hannah. Be faithful and obey my word. So, start what was it again, Robin? I'm with you always, peaceful and be faithful. Brother Small. Did you did you did you have your hand raised? Uh, yeah, I guess I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I'm with you always. I love you. Peaceful and faithfulness. All right, anybody on this side? Pastor? Confirmation. Do you hear that? Daisa? I am with you always. Big arms enveloping, so that safety, that peace. Sister Charlene. A huge cloud? All right, Sister Stephanie. mighty Spence. the
1: cross.
3: the cross became the protection, Rick. I will protect you. <laughs> Anybody seeing this? Lisa? For me. Oh this is for you. I thought you're telling me this is for me. Right beside you? One of the children in the front will be leading. Which one? In the blue shirt, in the black vest, right here? Awesome. Sister Nancy? Continue drawing closer to me and I will always be there. Danny? I will order your steps. Does anybody get in this picture of what the Lord is speaking to us tonight? Jen? So another, another confirmation of the protection and the Lord keeping us. Anyone else? Paula? And we just had a paper in, they said. Okay, and one of the kids turned in a paper that said the Lord is wanting to walk and to speak with you and to protect you every day. So we just had confirmation from the Lord that the Lord is with us and that he keeps us and that he gives us peace and that he wants to walk with us and he wants to talk with us and wants to wrap himself around us and give us protection I think that's pretty incredible that there was confirmation across the board. Let's thank the Lord for speaking to us tonight. (laughs) We stuck her in the corner.
4: (laughs) There you go. Oh, wow. I was getting real caught up in that. I tell you, children are my love. And I do believe that uh, Sister Jordan and I went to a kids prayer in 2007, 2007. And what we were doing was just looking for curriculum for the, the church. And um, it was, uh, you know, we went with a, a good heart, but we had no idea that the Lord was going to lead us in this direction. And since then, now how many years ago was that, Sister Jordan? Uh, eight. Eight years ago, if you look at these big boys and these big girls that were eight years younger and how that right now they absolutely work this process. I think this is just so amazing that, that this caught hold and how that we came back and we, we begin to teach this. And, and I said, what are we going to do with this, Sister Jordan? And she said, um, we're going to teach it to our, our, our kids first. And then we're going to take it to the church. And as we begin to do this, we begin to see incredible things. The kids couldn't—they couldn't stay away from the altar. They couldn't—they couldn't stay back in the seats because they felt the leading of God. They felt that they were—they—they they could come to the front, that they could worship the Lord, that they could—they could hear the Lord's voice. As we begin to to impart this to them, that's what we did. But tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit about kingdom praying. Because a lot of times when we um, when we're listening to the Lord and when we're we're talking with the Lord, we don't we don't we don't we we, well we really don't know what to pray about. We say we get down and we say, "Um, okay, God, uh, heal my aunt." Um, How about uh, Lord, give us food? Um, And we have no idea to pray. We how to pray. Kingdom praying is praying for the things on the heart of Jesus praying for the things on the heart of Jesus and when we think about that and how that 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 how do we find out it's what the heart of Jesus is well let's go to Luke 11 and 1 the disciples ask lord teach us how to pray and john as john taught his disciples so Jesus taught them our father which art in heaven hallowed or holy be thy name and then he said thy kingdom come i asked a few weeks ago at the in, during sunday school how many how many could tell me what uh, thy kingdom come meant and and we were thinking peace joy um, you know the the attributes of, of christ and then when i begin to say the kingdom of god when the kingdom of god comes so Thy kingdom come, it is what comes from Jesus. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does he want in heaven? What does God want in heaven? Well, of course, he wants souls. He wants them to be saved. So it goes from what matters to me when we begin to kingdom pray to what matters to Jesus. And that's how we begin to study. Matthew uh, 6 and 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things, they'll be added unto you. You don't have to worry about them if you seek first His kingdom. It's a way of putting God first, even in our prayers. It's flinging ourselves full throttle on the behalf of what He wants instead of what we want. When children pray for others, they're praying the prayer request. That Jesus prayed. Matthew 9:37 through 38 says, The harvest is truly so plenteous, but the labors are so few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers to the harvest. This helps our children to stop thinking about themselves and it weeds out selfishness. It teaches to prefer others before ourselves. The, uh, it also teaches... To, when you put God first, that finances will be met, time, the time that you spent with them, will, uh, God takes care of that, and service to other He brings that to the surface. It makes children socially aware of the needs of others. You will be surprised that when they go to start praying for the kingdom of God, and we're going to tell you what that kingdom is in a minute, that they start seeing the sick. And they start caring for them. They start realizing they're hungry. And they'll give up their lunch And it, when they see a kid next to them that maybe doesn't have. And before they would have never thought anything about it. They will want to make provision for orphans and widows. So don't see, be surprised when you see one of them that sees a need and wants to take care of it. Such as opening the doors for an old person. Maybe taking their groceries out of the grocery cart, putting it into their car, just little simple things. Now, children need to understand that praying for others who've never heard the gospel is part of what Jesus asked his followers to do. Children must be informed that they can, they can intercede. You're going to see that in just a minute. You're going to see how children that were given a piece of paper can intercede on the behalf of others. Children must be informed that this shapes the world. Their prayers actually shape the world. And a good example of this is the 1040 window. Strange little word, but what it is, is the equator around the world, 10 degrees above that, and it basically is from northern Africa across through Indonesia and above, up into Uh, Korea that it grabs and it goes 40 degrees up so there's a window that just grabs this the, the populated area of the world so it being the most populated area then sometimes we will think well there's there the other parts of the world aren't necessary to pray for how wrong we are but when we begin to show these children exactly what needs to be prayed for the characteristics that are going on in that 1040, they begin to have a heart within them that says, I need to do something. So I, I'm going to give you a little illustration. Is when I was teaching our, our children tea, which happens to be for tribal. I took some pictures of some little children that their mouths were filled with grass and mud. And the little boys were about eight to nine years old. And they actually had a little wooden spear that was speared through their lips as they were hanging out, and some of my uh, 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 some people said, "Wow, isn't that pretty graphic? You know, for those little kids." And do you know what it brought to their hearts? It brought to their hearts that Lord, that's the age that I am. I wouldn't want that happening to me. And they begin to devoutly pray for that. Every single day. Our children are, they, they, they want this information. They crave the information so that they know how to pray. That they, they, they can take it to the Lord and they can say, Lord, just like you, if you don't know, you don't know what to pray about. Right. There are five of the world's largest religions in that 1040 window. The first one is the tribals. Now, they're located in, they're isolated Some of them are jungles, some of them are mountains, some of them are villages. They're animist. In other words, they believe in the spirits dwelling in the object, such as trees, rocks, mountains, water, animals. These spirits, they feel, control their daily lives, believe that the spirits of their dead ancestors influence their life, They're in constant fear of making those spirits angry so that they give gifts to them that they can't even afford sometimes. But they'll sacrifice, and they actually sacrifice humanly. They give their children or so forth. We won't dwell on that too much. But they give a sacrifice to appease those spirits. They have rituals. They include costumes, body paint, songs, dances, chants to bring good luck or to prevent evil. They even have intermediaries that are called witch doctors, shamans, medicine men, or spiritual healers. Now, that happened to be the tribals. The next one was called the Hindu. Now, as we go through this, I want you to, as we're saying, the tribals, the Hindus, this is going to spell a word. And that word is, does anybody know? Thumbo. Thumbo, praying. And we're going to tell you what that includes for our children. So every time that they think about this, and they this, this comes to them, they are able to go right down the list praying. As they're on their knees, they just go right down the list praying. We're going to talk about the Hindus because they were number two, your tribal. You're Hindu. Hindus believe in millions of God, both good and evil. They worship idols. They set up shrines in their houses. They offer food. They offer flowers, incense, money, even hair they will offer to those idols, hoping that that will cleanse their heart. They believe in reincarnation. They believe that their acts in life are predicting, predicting their situation for the future. Die in good graces. And you get in the next life, you get to be somebody important. Die in bad behavior, you come back as an animal or an insect, or you end up poor. Hindus hope to break that cycle of being of of, um, the fear of it and to have peace. That's what their really their ultimate goal is. However, they're not going to gain peace in the things that they're doing. Your third of the five. Your third is the unreligious or the atheist. They don't believe that God exists at all. A lot of this is China um, or the Asian areas that believe there is no God. They teach their children that God's a myth and those who believe in God are weak and that they're foolish. They encourage them to believe that their education, and that's why you see them so, so smart, so brilliant, so, so. I mean, they're far above sometimes the children of the United States because that's what they believe in. That's their whole ultimate goal is to educate their children. They do not believe in God. They believe that only hard work. Now, Sister Jordan uh, began, began to um, give us some information to help us as we were going along in this, and she had stated that China right now has the most religious Compared to the rest of the world, they are more Christian than we are. Okay, now, I just told you that they, they don't believe in God. Do you know what these are? They're underground. Isn't that amazing? They're underground. We have the privilege of going to God. We have the privilege of saying to him, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I worship you, I praise you. These people sat on their hands. Uh, Let me take just a minute and tell you that we sat in a class, Sister Jordan and some of the rest of us sat in a class where we were, um, what's that called, Skyped? Skyped to uh, Sister uh, Angie Clark in China, and they had told us all, don't any of you guys raise your hands? You, if you have to set on them, if we need to give you tape to tape over your mouths, don't anybody say, bless the Lord, oh God, or nothing else. You keep your mouth shut because she will be in danger. And as we sat there and we heard her testify to us, and it was that uh, they went to this um, um, gathering of uh, family members, body of Christ. And that how they had wonderful, it was like a banquet that they had. And the one that served them, God, the one that served them. And she just went on and on about, oh, this was just such a marvelous time. And that how that some of the neighbors stopped by that had never met. I mean, all in code. This was the most amazing thing. And then to think that we in the United States... Or the free countries, that how that we, we don't even, we don't serve God. And we certainly sometimes sit on our hands here and don't, and don't, not here, but you know what I'm saying. We sit on our hands and we don't really worship the Lord. Kingdom praying. The unreligious tush, trust their leaders to guide and protect them such as their armies. They look to science for explanations. The atheist governments make laws that forbid the groups to meet, to print literature. If you get caught with this, y'all have been praying for Sister um, Melissa Medlin. Brother Medlin, when he came to us and we began to talk with him about uh, his life, he was very young. He and his mother packed Bibles in backpacks and went to China and passed out Bibles in their, from their suitcases, their backpack, whatever. And could have been killed through that. But that is getting the word of God to his kingdom. To his kingdom. Let's go to the Muslims. The Muslim religion is called Islam, meaning T-H-U, the unchurched. M is where we're at. The Muslim religion is called Islam, meaning that they submit to the the will of Allah, the Arab word for or yeah the Arabic word for their God. Their Quran is the holy book, and it teaches that God was a good pro- or Jesus was a good prophet, and they hold five duties. Number one, they must recite every day. There's not God but Allah. And Mohammed is his prophet. Number two, they must say, pray five times a day. Boy, does that put us to shame. They must pray five times a day. They give to the poor. They fast in the daytime during their holy month, which is called Ramadan. And they make a pilgrimage one time during their lifetime. They must go to Mecca. Muslims believe they can earn their way to heaven by doing more good than bad. However, they cannot be assured that they're going to be accepted by Allah. There's also a group within the Muslim faith known as ISIS, and you all know about that. This sect feels confident in using terrorism and killing others that oppose their views. They self-sacrifice to receive a place with Allah. Women have no value and they're tortured and demeaned. ISIS feels that they're doing the will of Allah to rid the world of infidels. We're an infidel. Buddhism, that's number five, follows the teachings of Buddha He was a man that lived 2,500 years ago, and they believe that every person contains a part of God within himself. You you suffer because you're selfish. You want things that you're not supposed to want. You're desiring things that you're not supposed to desire. So they follow an eightfold path that sets them rules on the way that they're supposed to act, the things they're supposed to think, and the way that they're supposed to feel. Their belief is in reincarnation because it takes many lifetimes to remove all their evil desires. They meditate, they have yoga, they have martial arts, and this is all to cleanse them, is to make their mind think, get their mind on the right track. They believe that they, they strive for a peaceful quality, and this is called nirvana. Now we get to the big one for our children, and this is the orphans. Our kids will pray for orphans when their hearts are broken for them. So, we're going to tell a child what an orphan is. We're not going to hold it back. Children or orphans are children abandoned by parents for reasons of poverty, death. China only lets you have one kid, and the rest of them, they sit out on a corner so that somebody will come along and either take them that don't have a child or they die, or whatever. They're allowed one child. Or even governmental laws. These areas are also that are covered also in this percentage are children at risk, such as child labor, which keeps children from getting an education and continues a cycle of poverty and crime. A hundred and fifty million children in these nations are involved in harmful or explo- explo- Exploitive, (laughs) exploitive labor. Child soldiers, they're being forced into military roles at an increasingly younger age. Over 300,000 children under the age of 18 serve in government and armed rebels. Some are as young as eight years old. Orphans and refugees happen to be the most vulnerable In 2012, there were child soldiers actively fighting in at least 14 of the countries in the 1040 window. These orphans, street children, children that are refugees, they need prayer for protection, provision, and to know the love of Jesus. Last but not least, under that orphan, is unborn children. You yourself know that these children are not wanted by their mothers, they're not at high risk of being aborted, and that there's millions that are in this area. So how do we teach children to pray for this kingdom that we've just talked about? Well, of course, you're going to give the lesson. You're going to tell them what, what each country is about, what they believe. You're going to do that, and then we're going to do something. This is called m M&M praying, Sambo praying. Each one of you received one of these packages of M&Ms. Hard to tell what colors are in here. But once you have learned the Thumbo praying, once you have learned, and this is just a little chart that I made up for my Sunday school, once you have learned that tribal, Hindu, unreligious, Muslims, Buddhist, and your orphans, once that those children have learned that wheel or they've learned about these Um, uh, the the characteristics in each of these countries or in each of these situations for these children, we will take M&Ms and we will say, okay, now today, who are we going to pray for? And I might pass out a little handful of M&Ms and everybody, oh, my goodness, here's four orange ones. There's two browns, there's a green, and four orange. So today, I think we're going to pray for those Muslims first because they're orange. So we're going to have a prayer for the Muslims. Now, knowing that what they know, they're going to put together a prayer that is going to knock your socks off sometimes, because they don't want the children of that area to suffer the things, and they want them to have truth. So this is called M M&M and M praying. We pu- sometimes will pass out. Um, I this is cheaper. So I will give them a little handful of of M&Ms, and that's how we will pray. But also, if you want to be sanitary about it, you you can buy these little things and pass that out, too. All right, another another one. Oh, what time is it? I cannot see back there at all. Okay, okay. All right, this is called Globe, Globe Plane. Whoops. Zach, he picked it up. Where'd Where'd you pick it up? where's your thumb okay all right Indonesia so this would be that we would have prayer for Indonesia the children that's in that 1040 sorry <laughs> that's those children in that 1040 window 50 50 praying it's where you partner up two kids two kids the one child will pray for his the, the needs of their partner for salvation Oh, I pray today that Charlie would be praying for Sydney, And that they they would pray, Oh, Lord, they need the Holy Ghost. God, give them the Holy Ghost. And then the second child would say, Oh, God, those kids in Zambabwe, they need the Holy Ghost, dear God. And they would begin to pray about that. Prayer spinner is another one. Where you take a Coke bottle, an empty Coke bottle. Y'all, some of you played that before, I know. But anyway... You sit in the middle of the floor with your kids all around you and you spin the bottle and the child that it goes to that's the child that gets to pray. And you will spin it again and then the next child gets to pray. Jump rope, they can pray while they're jumping rope. You will pray for this one and then that one and then this country and then that country and then so it's whatever you know the age limits that are in in your uh, Sunday school group. And that's the the, the uh, trick or the idea or the whatever you would want to take from this tonight that's going to help your children. Two tops on a map. You'll spin that top. Both of you will spin your top. Wherever the first one stops, that's the child that gets to pray. It's not the idea that they have to pray. It's the idea that they get to pray. So I hope that these are just little simple examples of how to, how to introduce kingdom praying for, with your children. But I want to say this tonight. Sister Jordan and I have run it across each other several times in the last couple of weeks. When we stand before God, how will we be able to answer the question, did we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness?
2: This next portion that we're going to uh, go into is healing and very dear to my heart. And I'm gonna share with you some of the things. This, these all came up to me, us, um, at the beginning and the children were impressed with healing and I'll share some of those with you um, in just a little bit here. When teaching our young ones to pray for someone's healing, it's important to train them, not just teach them. When I teach, I'm telling them. When I train, I'm putting my words into action, and we're going to train some tonight. There are several methods of training and healing. The first method is what we'll call the L-A-B-B method, lab method. Listen. When somebody's asking to be prayed for, you need to listen to them. Overhearing someone speak about Healing or needing healing, and then also listening to where the Spirit will lead you. That's the L. The A is children need to ask permission to pray for someone before they just put their hands on them and start praying for them. They are a child and they need to respect their elders. And of course, mainly when children go and pray for somebody, they're in need and they see that they want prayer. Uh, ask exactly what they need prayer for. Do you have back pain? Do you have cancer? Are you blind? God can heal all of those things. This also allows the child to pray on the spot instead of waiting for a more convenient time. It also encourages faith in the person that's asking for prayer. Number three, uh, L-A-B, build faith. This step is very important because it's the foundation of receiving the healing. How do children build faith? They relate how the Lord had healed them at some time or another, or their grandma, grandpa, mom, dad. Encourage the children to ask a simple question. Do you believe when I pray for you, Jesus will hear me and heal you? I think that's good for all of us. Do you believe he will heal you? and he'll hear my prayer. If they are answered with a bold yes, then teach the children to proceed with prayer, and if not, they need to continue building that person's faith. They're looking for a witness in their spirit, and you'll, you'll see right here, I'm, I was floored. They're looking for the spirit, the witness in their spirit to proceed with prayer. And the last one is be be bold. Bold praying is done in Jesus' name. This is a point in the prayer where people can take authority. Remember, the Holy Ghost in you is the same Holy Ghost that raised Christ from the dead. This is where the point in prayer where people can take authority over the ailment or the situation causing pain. The second method of prayer is using prayer clause, and I'm going to give us a chance Anybody know of somebody that wasn't able to get here tonight that needs a prayer cloth? Let me see your hands real quick. One, two. Okay. So we're going to use two prayer cloths tonight. And these prayer cloths are going to be anointed by oil from the children to send to someone who's in need of healing. After the cloth is anointed with oil, we're going to lay hands on it, pass it from one to the other. Praying for the specific need. So we'll need to know what that need is. This practice comes from the example of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Found in Acts 19, 11, and 12. God gave Paul the power to do unusual miracles. So that even when handkerchiefs or cloths that had touched him were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and any evil spirit within them came out. That's biblical. That is biblical. You can expect it. To modernize this, we've put little Band-Aids in your little packages. Uh, Kids like the ones with the little characters on them. Because when they want to go pray for somebody, they want their tools, their essential tools. The third method is uh, during service, corporate church services. Include the children in those ministry times. Of course, that's up to pastor. I'm sure our pastor allows it. And let them lay hands on the person that is sick along with the ministry. And the fourth is a healing line. And we're going to not have a healing line, but I'm going to ask if there are maybe four of you that feel like God will heal you. Uh, Dylan? That God is able to hear you and heal you and hear our children pray for you and heal you. I'm going to ask four of you. Instruct the children to form a healing line in the children's service or the adult service and ask those with needs for healing to come through the line in groups by topics of (coughs) prayer. Of course, we're just going to get your topic right off the bat. It doesn't have to be the same. For example, all those with back pain come through the line together. All those with a tumor come through the line together. All those with knee problems, all those with hip problems, etc., all those with headaches, This way, the children will know exactly what to pray for and how to target their prayers. Many times, we as teachers do not train in the area of healing because we're afraid that God might not answer the child's prayer or, for that matter of fact, our prayer. We're concerned that we'll have to clean up God's mess, so to speak, if children have to work through disappointment in themselves and disappointment in God. Understand this, that the that this teaching is scripture and it's for all believers and the truth is God doesn't need us to worry about his reputation it's not about me it's about him I want to share with you uh, just briefly um, some of these that were sent up to us he will heal He will heal my aunt in jail. He will help my aunt at the hospital. I will take you all with me and heal any problems in your life. This is what the children were inspired by the Lord, what they heard, what they felt. I will heal you tonight. And they wrote it in purple. Purple is majesty and authority to pray for Brother Price he's on our standing list God is always to help you I love you when you get sick I will heal you these are things that these little guys wrote I will heal the once thought impossible And this person wrote, I have felt this all day, very strong right now. I will heal the once thought impossible. I will heal all people in this room who have a problem with their families that are not in church, believe in God. That he will heal my aunt because she is sick. I will heal all of you with my voice. Are we listening to him? Don't worry, just pray and sing. And in purple, this is written, purple means authority, powerful. Heal my brother, because every day after school, he gets a bad headache. God is able and willing to do this. I want to share just a pinch with you, um... When I was about 18 years of age, I was diagnosed with a blood disease. And at the time, they didn't know what it was. Uh, now it's known as Staphylococcus aureus, And that, at that time, there were women that were dying in their sleep. I had to be hospitalized for weeks, and uh, the treatment was not fun, especially for an 18-year-old person that had no idea if they'd ever leave the hospital. In constant prayer from a church that stood behind me and a mom and dad that believed that I could be made whole. I was made whole. And approximately 15 years after that, my youngest son was attacked with the same blood disease. This time it affected his skin. And I remember they could not diagnose what it was at first and so we went home, back to the doctor, went home, back to the doctor, and he got so bad and so weak when I walked into the emergency room with him. He put his hands around my neck, and he could only stand me to touch under the bend of his knees, and I carried him into the hospital, hanging on my neck through and holding on to the bend of his knees. We weren't sure if he was going to survive it. He lost quite a bit of his hair. He lost The whole layer of his skin even the palms of his feet and very unsure whether we were ever going to bring him home we didn't realize and the doctors didn't realize at the time that it was commonly known as staphylococcus and through prayer a church that stood behind us and a mom and dad that would not give up he stands before you today in the youth ministry God is a healer. At this time, uh, those that raise their hand, um, we're gonna we're gonna just get the um, somebody go out real quickly and ask um, Connie, raise your hand. She wants a prayer cloth for somebody that's not here, and Erica wants a prayer cloth. And all you kids come up here real quickly. You need a prayer cloth? Anybody else need a prayer cloth? All of us kids come up here real quickly. We're gonna pray for these needs and needs one. Did somebody go ask Connie what the need was? We we're going to get one for Brother Duggar. Her sister needs a touch, a healing touch. Her neighbor, she needs some a healing for some serious problems. Brother-in-law has Parkinson's. Uh, sister. child that has a brain tumor, and we're going to anoint this, and we're going to ask for the Lord to touch in these situations. stand sing this course with me. There today the lord spoke that one to me are going to get prayed for would come up here in the very front. There's right. a room. Okay, we've got our four here. Squeeze right in here. This sister needs healing for an infection, and infections can make you very sick and sometimes take your life. So we're going to pray for her. Sister, what is your name? She's been having troubles with her stomach. She also is going to have to have back surgery unless the Lord undertakes. So we'll believe for that. She has a brain tumor. Sister, brain tumor. Jason. Jason needs a kidney. Not from man, but from God. God is able. He is able. Let's sing one more time. There is power.
5: i
3: I want to report to you that Caitlin felt to share with, what was your name again? Betty, that Jesus spoke to Caitlin and told Caitlin that he was healing her. So we want to worship the Lord for that. That's not it. caitlin was confirming the word that the lord had just spoken to betty that the abscesses were going away and would not come back so we rejoice with her in that amen Amen. remind me your and then sarah came forward sarah has a brain tumor and they were praying with her and as i was had my mistake had a brain tumor And as she was praying, I watched as she started with stammering lips. And the Holy Ghost was all over her. I believe that not only has he healed her, but he is going to fill her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we're praising the Lord. We know that he is going to heal Sister Bollinger as well that she won't have to have back surgery and I am just crazy enough to believe that God is going to perform a miracle in Jason's body with a new kidney that God gives. Why don't we worship him for that and thank him. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Amen. You can return to your seats. I wanted to share right quickly with you, and we want to make sure that we are staying um, in tune, or in, in tune with the time, I guess is the right thing to say. As you've been watching, the kids have been bringing papers up of what they have felt the Lord speaking to them. Three said specifically that the Lord spoke to them and told them that they never have to be afraid of the devil. Four said, I see God touching Pastor Jordan. You will have enough money to build the church. The new building will overflow with people. Prepare for revival. Nine children saw angels in the room standing around me, around all of you, throughout the church, and there were warring angels Seven saw the color red. Four specifically saw God's blood. Two were identical and said they saw Jesus being nailed to the cross, but he rose again, breaking down walls. One very specific said, my crown has become your confidence. (laughs) I cannot read my own writing. One said, people are not, do not compre- or comprehend the sacrifice, but his sacrifice on the cross was what gave us power. One specific said, I will set you free, deliver you, change you, for I am God. One said, darkness is leaving the world. The devil has already lost the battle. God always wins. Three saw opening gates, very specific, and they were yellow, yellow or gold. And yellow or gold means glory and kingship. I think we need to praise God for the word that he's sending to us through these children. This is what I would like for you to do. We're just going to take a couple minutes and move on. I'm not ready for that, guys. It's not time yet. I'm sorry. Um, Each of you in the back of your folders, the back um, pocket of your folder, there are three pieces of paper. There are two whole pieces, and there's one that's been torn. You're welcome to use any one that you want, but we are going to ask one more time for the Lord to speak to us, and whatever comes to your mind first, I want you to put on that paper, and then Nate and Zach and Dylan and uh, Ethan are going to collect those papers and bring it to us. And I believe, once again, God is going to confirm his word. Inside your bag is a package of crowns. And there is a paper for you to refer to later that colors do have uh, specific meanings within the Bible. That is not, again, ooky spooky. That is not delving into something that's whatever. It is biblical <laughs> and I even have scripture references for you but if you'll notice we had so many that saw the color red red means sacrifice and they saw him crucified and his crown has become your glory do you see so God speaks through color and sometimes for children it is so easy. They use colors every day. They use it to express themselves when, when they don't have the words, but they'll draw a picture to depict how they feel or what they're seeing or, or what God is laying on their hearts. So we're going to do the same thing, child's play. But the scripture says that unless we become as children. <laughs> so we're going to have the faith that the Lord is going to speak to us one more time, and we're just going to take just a few minutes Remember, the first thing that comes to your spirit is the voice of the Lord. The second one will be you trying to reason out why that wasn't the voice of the Lord. So one more time, think about that area, that innermost, where his spirit speaks to your spirit. God, we're coming to you one more time asking that you would confirm your word. Whatever you have to speak, Lord, let it be confirmed between two or three. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Now let's take a moment. Okay, whatever you felt. If you felt, put it on that piece of paper, whichever paper you choose, and then the boys will just walk the aisle, and when you're ready for... When you're done with them, hand them to them, and um, they will bring them to us. Sister Brooks.
4: We're going to talk about scripture praying tonight. Uh, I'm going to have Elijah come help me real quick. Oh, Um, girls. Right here, you girls do this. I've not read these, and I'm going to explain it in a minute, but you guys. Darling, you want to come do this? Mm -hmm. No, you. I want you to do it. Come here, darling. We're going to demonstrate tonight what scripture praying is. Uh, Dylan, if you will do this.
5: Okay. Now,
4: this is Elijah. He is how old? Seven. He's seven years old, and we're beginning to do scripture prayer. So, how many, I, I guess I was amazed when somebody said to me, what's scripture pray? And I'm thinking, it's praying in the scripture of God. It's just cut and dry, you know, pray in the scripture of God. But that's simply because I went to kids prayer. So, I'm hoping tonight to enlighten you a little bit about pray. Now, I think if you asked Sister Jordan, she would tell you, we implement this in our adult lives, this is how we pray. We tell God we remind him of his word we tell, because he, is, he, will not, he will not lie. He will not, not back up his word. He will back up his word. If he said it, it's true, and I believe it. I know that the Lord's going to do it. So we're going to ask Elisha tonight to open this, this part of the session with scripture prayer.
5: Thank you for bringing us, us together this not to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you your pa- you your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path please open our eyes and let we, that we may behold wondrous things out of your laws we are your servants Give us understanding that we may know your testimonies forever. O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven.
4: Amen. That was scripture praying. Thank you, darling It was an example of scripture praying, and Dylan was showing you tonight that that was Psalms 119, but it was verses 11. 105, 18, 125, and verse 89. And when those were put together, they made a prayer that reminded God as though he needs reminding. But it was telling him, God, we appreciate you. We appreciate your word. We know we're supposed to hide it in our hearts. We know the things that we're supposed to do. So God, allow us to open our minds, open our hearts, and to actually do those things. Scripture praying is simply speaking out the will of God. That simple. That simple. It's speaking out the written word of God. People struggle with the will of God. You, how many times have you heard, oh, according, I mean, I, mean, I want to be in the will. I want to be in the will. Well, the will is his word. So if you're studying his word, if you're applying his word, if you're walking his word, if you're walking in his spirit, that is the word of God. Those are the things that that uh, are simply his written will in English form. Now, we usually use the King James Version, and that's why it's not uncommon for our children to say, thy, they, that's what they've heard. That's, that's what they hear over the pulpit. Thy, thou, thine. So those words are common, although you may use other in, in um, translations if you think that it would make it more understandable. Usually, because of our church children, They will sort of bring in the others to the way that we begin to talk. And the King James Version is very, very useful in that. Ephesians 6 and 14 declares that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. So if we're using the word, then we've got an offensive weapon that we can use against the enemy. Praying the eternal word of God aloud causes things to happen in the spirit realm. So... (laughs) I guess those of you that went to uh, the uh, N-A-Y-C, that they've talked about the spirit realm and how that the voice of crying out to God just shook Satan and how that it just went forward. And that's exactly what the prayers of praying the word of God will do. It will open heaven. The spoken word of God is powerful when mixed with faith. And in agreement with uh, Philippians 1 and 28... In nothing are our children terrified by the adversary. They become bold. They become strong. They be, they're fearless because they realize that you have empowered them with something that they can fight Satan with. When our children begin to pray scripture, they're taking part of the prophetic element of the body of Christ. Joel And 28 says, Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I think Sister Jordan will explain prophecy. Sometimes, what we're doing tonight, you just hang in there, that prophecy will even be done by our children. They don't often like to pray, but why don't our children like to pray? Number one, they don't know what to say. You give them the word of God, and they're going to know what to say. They don't know what to pray about. Well, you give them situations, you teach them the kingdom praying. You, you show them the situation, they know what to pray about. They don't feel comfortable because they're not equipped to pray like adults. We, we have so long thought that our children had to sound like us. There's a difference between nurturing and mentoring. Mentor means that I'm gonna make you into what I am. I'm going to go out there and see how what I'm doing. Now you follow me, and you'll be just exactly like me. But to nurture them is to open their mind up and say, "Well, what does God want you to be? What 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 can we do to help you? What is that that you need prayed for? What what? Just tell us exactly what what that is that you need. We begin to nurture them. Many children don't feel that they'll ever be good at praying. They need to. We need to teach them to pray powerfully on their own. I saw tonight as these kids were praying down here, I mean, there were tears. They were, they were devoutly pushing for, for God to heal because they knew that he would and he could. If you'll just get the faith for it to, I mean, that, that was all. And they had it in their heart and their mind that this was going to happen. Provide, providing them opportunity. Let's talk about that. To use their, the opportunity to use their gifts. Now, we think that only adults get the gifts, but God gives children gifts. Caitlin, tonight, said, God told me that she was going to get healed. (laughs) The gift of prophecy. I mean, you know, what are we talking about? Okay, so we as facilitators are constantly going to have to look for a safe, yet challenging opportunity for the group. Now, to, however, prepare them to accept that some people don't understand this and they may say, so- no, honey, that's all right. You right. Know, uh, uh, don't do that to me. No, that's okay. So you prepare them that not everybody understands God. They don't understand that God really does heal. They don't understand that God loves them, that God cares. You prepare them ahead of time that that it, they may not, the, the person that they're praying for. So the, I think you heard Sister uh, Newcomer say the different ways that we, we listen, we ask, and then we boldly go forward with it. Advocate and make a space for children to minister. That's a big thing. In the local assembling, I can remember the time that Brother Price had gone south, and he had, at that time had a colossal a drainage tube. He had a drainage tube in his side, and it it plugged up. Now, not that, that it didn't need to be running, but it had plugged up. He's in Arkansas, and Dylan, being just the little boy that he was, and knowing that we, and Spencer, uh, Spencer uh, took and said, Grandpa, that's silly. You can be healed of this, and I don't want to gross you out, but when that kid prayed for Grandpa Price, that drain opened like that. And because the faith of a child, so it's opportunity. Advocate and make space in the local assembly. Help them to be extremely sensitive to those that are sick or they're hurting or by hearing the needs of the church family. You can take them as a group to, and you have to have permission and you have to be careful because there are some wards in the hospitals that we cannot go to. But children can go to nursing homes. They're thrilled when a child comes into the nursing home and they begin to pray for them. I mean, you know, not just bring them a little gift, but to actually pray for them. Children's hospitals will allow you to come onto certain floors. Many parents come to Jesus through the prayer of their child. Older people, well, I had already said that in nursing homes. We need to prepare our prayers, prayers, that's our children, for specific encounters. Sometimes we have to write out a prayer for them, such as tonight. In a premeditated way, you'd say, well, what kind of a prayer is that? That's God's word being spoken aloud and going to absolutely stir the spiritual world out there. You write those down for them. And you choose a scripture that's going to deal with the need, whether it be offering or healing, salvation, forgiveness, faith, power, blessings, adoration. You teach them to use the tools that are, are equipped to them by. Now, I want to show you what I have gathered together here tonight. This is how that I teach. Um, and Sister Jordan talked with me, so this is how she does it, too. Um, this is what we do when we're going we're to pray for somebody or we're going to teach how to go into the scriptures. First of all, you have to have a co- co- concordance. Your child needs a concordance at home. The minute that they begin to be able to put words together, if they can spell angel, they can go to a concordance. They can come to you and they can say, now what's that? Say, what's L-U, mom? That's Luke, honey. And then they'll go, well, help me find Luke in my Bible. So they need a Bible. So we find the scripture in our Bible. We go to Luke, and we go to the, this specific, and you, you, you show them what the 11 dot, dot, that means, okay, chapter, verse, and they go to the verse. And then if you're, how, how do I say this? Even in our Sunday school classes, if we're smart, we will take a, a index card. If that child is impressed about angels, let's say angels, I don't know why I'm saying that, but let's say if they're impressed about angels and you have found, or they have found the scripture on angels. Now, when they get older, you don't even have to help them with this. When God lays something on their heart, they'll go to their concordance and look it up in their Bible and they will find this. But put it on your scripture card. Then, in order in your Sunday school classes, this is wonderful, then you put your dividers between them you categorize them for them, if it's uh, uh, healing, um, uh, bondage, uh, whatever the, the, the case may be, and you begin to divide these scriptures for them, not only does it place it in their head, but then there's times when you're in Sunday school class that you don't get to necessarily go to all your little healing tools. These are, I'm amazed. I go to Walmart, and I will find... This, I found this book just real recently. This is quick scripture reference for counseling. Well, I'm not going to counsel anybody. But when I got inside of it, then it began to show me in the King James Version, which I like, all the scriptures on adultery, alcohol, progress, the the provision of God. So there were scriptures that I could go to just even in a book. Now the reason that I'm telling you that is because I think when we get to the kingdom and we say, well, God, I didn't know how to pray for the kingdom," He's going to say, "Are you kidding? You went to Walmart every week? You know, didn't you look in the didn't you look in the uh, inspiration section? You know, I think I, you know, praying the word. We picked this up down at the publishing house. However," Well, this one, might be, this one might be one of the uh, uh, books that came from, from headquarters. But there are things everywhere. What I'm saying to you is you can get this anywhere, and you can start your children with a cataloging system. You can put it on your computer. I can't use the computer, so I'm not doing that. But you can, you can make them a file card, a God file that they can go back to and reference and get their scriptures together. Then when they begin to pray for healing, you grab those all out. That child sifts through. They get their, their prayer so powerfully together. And when they pray, you will hear. Uh, it moves you as well as God. All right. Sister Jordan? Or is it-
3: All right, this is the last essential, so are you guys okay to give me a few more minutes? All right, everybody okay? Thank you. Danny and Cheryl, you'll be glad to know that two children saw Brantley receiving the Holy Ghost, so that must be coming soon. <laughs> Pastor, we have a word for you. No more awakening. The great awakening is coming. That's powerful right there. All right. Guys, you can go ahead and make the switch. All right. The seventh and final essential is the armor of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 8 says, But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation." Not the scripture that you expected me to refer to when talking about the armor of God, is it? I chose to open with this scripture because it catches the essence of what I want to talk to you about. And that is an armor that stays alert, on guard, ready to spring into action when needed. The purpose of training children about the armor of God is to teach them to be prepared to protect themselves spiritually when intense spiritual warfare comes, and it will come. It may be while they are young. It may be when they are grown with families, but it will come, and they have to know how to stay protected It may be a personal accost through sickness, loss of jobs and finances, the death of a loved one, or attacks of the mind and spirit. But it could be all-out war against the church of the living God. Whatever the avenue, warfare will come. How many times can I say warfare will come? It is inevitable. The enemies of God are not all-knowing like God is. They cannot read your thoughts, and they do not know what is in your heart. But they do lie in wait, watching for signs in our actions or words that we speak. They zero in on bitterness and unforgiveness. They maximize on strife and division. They get giddy at the sign of a weakness or the letting down of one's guard. This is why we must always stay on guard and be prepared. Always prayed up and always full of the Holy Spirit. Always walking in the Spirit. And We talked about that right off the get-go. Learning to walk in the Spirit. We are not a threat to the enemies of God if we are constantly letting down our guard. That is a signal to the enemy that we are weak and then we can't do him any damage. Armor was worn by Roman soldiers to protect vital organs from damage. Their helmets protected their brains and their eyes. Their breastplate protected their hearts and vital organs. The metal skirting that they wore protected the main arteries of their legs. Their shoes protected their feet with every step on the battlefield. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we are soldiers in God's army. And warfare is going to come. He explains that our battle is not with flesh and blood. It is not with other human beings. We may get in arguments. We may have a beef with somebody. But that's not our real enemy. Our battle is with powers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, the devil and his imps. That try to destroy us and strongholds of this world. This is not a popular subject because most of us feel ill equipped to deal with spiritual warfare. But we want to make sure that our children are equipped to deal with the spiritual warfare that will come. So he instructs us to put on truth to protect us from false prophets, a breastplate of righteousness to keep our hearts right before God and protect it from any root of bitterness or rebellion that would creep in, that we would put on peace, that we would walk in peace and in the confidence that he is guiding our footsteps. He tells us to take up the shield of faith, faith in God, faith in his word, faith in that the lord is fighting our battles faith that he will protect us from the attack of the enemy imagine the confidence of a child that understands that they are protected by the armor of god they will grow up with that confidence knowing that whatever comes their way that the lord is going to protect them and fight their battles He tells us to pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let his sword defend you. Let it keep you in all truth. I have to be honest that the subject of the armor of God has never struck me until recently. In fact, when Sister Brooks and Sister Newcomer and I were sitting down and we began to, to divide up the seven essentials, At first, I was thinking, well, which one of them is going to teach on the armor of God? But something got a hold of me, and I saw it in a whole new light. In my study, Angie Clark, who is the author of The Seven Essentials and helped to establish kids' prayer as a division of the World Network of Prayer uh, at headquarters, pointed out a thought process that I guess I had always had but never really put a, a lot of thought to it, or really never had an explanation for it. And that thought process was, if we have to put on the armor every day, at what point did we take it off? When did we lose it? Did we lose our helmet of salvation when we had a bad thought? Or did the breastplate fall off when something creeped into our heart or anger got deep into our heart if we have to put it on then when did we take it off do kids even know what a roman soldier's armor even looks like that's really a foreign concept i would venture to say that the only time that they have seen a picture of a roman soldier's armor is in sunday school it's not in their books, it's not in their cartoons. <laughs> it's not at school. that's probably the only time that they've ever been seen a Roman soldier's uh, armor. While praying on the spiritual or while yeah praying on the spiritual armor serves as a daily reminder of the protection and weapons that we have our, at our disposal, there has to be more to it than just daily, putting on the armor of God. Anybody catch my... Anybody ever wondered the same thing? When you think about it. Then she said something that struck in my spirit. And this is what she said. I envision a different kind of armor. It's an armor that is integrated into my spirit and goes into action when needed. It's an armor that becomes who I am. It is a permanent part of me. This armor looks like a transformer. How many kids know what a transformer? Oh, I need Aiden and Gentry and Logan and Noah real quick. Come right here beside me. Brother Newcomer, would you hand each of them one of these transformers? Just stand in a line. Okay, scoot down in a straight line. There you go. Hand each of them one. Now just hold them up for everybody to see. Don't do anything with them yet. All right? Show them to everybody. To say that the light came on for me is an understatement. And our children's ministry staff can attest to the fact that the light came on for me. Children and adults alike need to realize that they need to apply the armor of God in such a way that the armor becomes a part of us spiritually, as much a part of us spiritually as our flesh is a part of us physically. Does that make sense? Guys, go ahead and transform him. Can you get it? When you get it, hold it up. So it was an ordinary car. got it, ordinary trucks that transformed at an instant into a fighting machine, hold them up for everyone to see, all right, thank you, you can just sit them down where you are and go ahead and go back to your seats, got it, thank you, the perfectionist is going to worry to death over that it didn't click together, It's more than praying it on. It's learning how to live in the armor, being on guard, ready to spring into action when needed. Immediately when I saw this, my childlike imagination, and Pastor, don't speak up about me being childish, went immediately into action, and I could see normal utility vehicles that just goes about life as normal, just it's a car, it's a truck, whatever. But when an enemy attacks, a transformation happens. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind when it's needed, it comes into action. Does that mean that we're spiritual at all times and we're out of balance? No. But it does mean that when the attack comes, that we're ready to spring into action because the armor of God becomes a part of who we are. It is what we are. We are Uh, a member of God's army. We, We are a child of God. Now, I'm not an expert on Transformers, but I do know that they morph into mighty fighting machines. This is the definition of a Transformer. Unique machines that transform from common mechanical objects to fighting robots. They can fight individually or join up collectively when the battle becomes too great. I don't know, has anybody ever watched Transformers? All these kids, yes, we've watched Transformers, and they're just going about, and they're driving, and all of a sudden, the enemy comes, and all of a sudden, this car is like, here it is, and ready to fight the battle in a truck, and here comes, and there, it's clinking, and it's fighting, and all that, but then that big enemy comes that it's too great for them and you know what happens? It's not hey, why uh, I- I'm a car and you're a truck and you're a motorcycle. Well, why don't we combine our efforts and let's see if we can defeat this big enemy? That's not what happens. It's magnetic. Yeah. All of a sudden, the truck is connected to the car and the motorcycle is connected to the truck, and they all begin to blend together. And then what you have is not multiple members of a fighting army. You have one gigantic fighting machine like the body of Christ. And then my imagination ran just a little bit further because I saw this gigantic fighting machine that was powerful. But from the center of that machine, I saw something that illuminated out of that machine like a supernatural power that was just oozing out of the center. And then I got to thinking, well, what about warring angels? So if we're fighting the battle, they must be fighting with us at the same time, although that we can't see them. So I saw this giant transformer that was made up of these little transformers with this light that was shining out, an angelic wings that were shining behind it. I want to show you something. Four children tonight. Anybody see what those are? Five. Transformers. I called Sister kathy mcdonald and i said this is going to sound crazy but let me explain to you what the lord showed me it is a mighty machine with supernatural power sister newcomer it is who we are it is not something that you pick up and put down it is a transforming from flesh to a fighting machine ready to do war in the spirit Our transformer. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That when the time comes that the battle rages, those kids aren't thinking, how am I supposed to put on a helmet? And what is a breastplate and loins girt about with what? But they know that the armor of God is who they are. It's what they become when the battle rages. And then automatically when the battle becomes so great that they can't fight it by themselves, magnetically, clink, clink 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 into this fighting army that has illumination from the holy ghost that is inside of them an angelic presence behind them ready to fight the battle that is the promise of wearing the armor of god let's give him some praise we thank you for it thank you jesus hallelujah thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord Yesterday, Fox News ran an article, and the title of the article was Family of Marines Taking the Fight to ISIS. The story was about a 49-year-old father and his two sons, Josh, who was 29, and James, who is 23. And this is how the story goes. They sat down, and all we know is their first names because of security reasons and for their own safety— But Harry was a U.S. Marine. This is the father, uh, retired. He served numerous combat tours. He was a sniper, a team leader, with his task was um, capturing and killing high-value targets. Josh and James came to him and told them that they were planning to go and to join the fight against ISIS terrorists. And this is what the divorced father said, I knew that if my boys were going, I had to join and to go with them. Josh, or uh, Harry, I'm sorry. Harry said his sons told him, we've got over 20 years experience. And I thought to myself, I've got two boys going. There is no way that they are going without me. Josh said at one point you had the entire US military protecting them and they were and then they were gone and then another group of guys ISIS came in and just started slaughtering them by the thousands and there was nowhere to run I am still able and the opportunity arose and I am going James, the 23-year-old who served in Afghanistan and was an infantryman, uh, when asked by the uh, U.S. Department when they contacted Fox News and said, "Well, what do you think about this family's going?" and and uh, the State Department said, "We uh, neither see we don't support them, but we're not against them. In other words, do your thing." This is what James said. Hey, I know how to survive combat. We are going to contribute on our level. My brother is a heavy machine gunner. My dad is a sniper. And I was a rifleman. We are going to bring that together. Does that remind you of anything? <laughs> and present that to the Kurds and aid them in whatever way possible. ISIS has threatened our nation and us individually. They came out and said, every military member needs to watch out because we are coming for you. We are Marines, and we are going to bring the battle to them. Josh said, every day we're not there. People are dying. I know I can make a difference. I know he can make a difference, and I know that he can make a difference, gesturing to his dad and his brother. And us together we are a formidable team we are leaders i am an american and this is what we do ladies and gentlemen and children i present to you we are members in the army of the lord and this is what we do we will be prepared for battle We will teach these children to be prepared for battle, that when the time arises, that their armor will swing into action, that they are ready to fight against the onslaught of the enemy, that nothing will dissuade them. And when the battle is too great for them, these kids are going to link together. But I have a feeling that we have some parents and grandparents say that there is no way they are going to fight this battle on their own. I'm going to go with them. I'm going to lead by example. And Together we will be an unstoppable team. Why don't we thank the Lord for that promise? Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Jordan, there was one other. If you want to come and dismiss us, please. Where uh, your paper? Did I take it? Yes, I did. The Lord said that in a minute you will start seeing massive angels and the presence of the Lord will open the gates. I will direct your path, lean not to your own understanding. I will bring peace into your life. I have given you authority and I will make all things new. Do not doubt, for if it wasn't so, I would not have told you, go.
0: All right, let's stand and give all of these workers and teachers, instructors, and students a great big hand. All right, I know the hour is late. You can be seated. I know the hour is late, but um, I I think we would be amiss to, uh, to not take this opportunity to give you a chance to be able to maybe... Ask some questions, and uh, this group can field uh, your questions publicly. If you must go, we understand. If you'd like to stay and hear some of the uh, questions and answers, this would be uh, this would be perfect for you. Now, let me explain that what uh, you saw tonight was over a course of about two and a half hours. Of course, a children's ministry session doesn't last two and a half hours. Uh, that's about 20 minutes. Is that right? Uh, About 20 minutes, so it is crunched in. So uh, they gave you everything that they do tonight, and they gave you the full seven steps, and so a lot of information. Now, you cannot implement everything at one time. Uh, You have to implement one step at a time and one stage at a time, and uh, you, you then will focus from there to the next step, and then you can go back to keep it fresh until eventually you have covered all of these areas. They have given you a ton of ideas to be able to create your own material. Now, I want to put a plug in for that. Although there's many, many curriculums that are available, there's nothing like digging it out for yourself. And the passion and heart by which you will share it with the children and with the young people uh, will be so very Powerful, And so they've given you a ton of ideas and things to work off of. I was listening to my wife, and what a fabulous job, Sister McDonald, that you did. And I was listening to her, and my brain, Brother Reading, was just going crazy because I saw about a four-week Wednesday night series that we need to do right here in the church uh, about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, it just came to life to me. And so, of course, I'm the preacher that gets sermons off of Veggie Tales. All right, we're going to give you an opportunity to ask some questions. So, uh, if you have questions and would like to, would anyone have a question you'd like to ask? Start raising your hands, and I'll try to go around the room. All right, we'll just start. I see some kids with hands raised. Any of our, any of our, uh, any of our children's ministry workers? Yes, ma'am.
3: Again, I apologize for the time, but hopefully you felt (laughs) that it was worth it. Um, We start on Sunday a kids' prayer boot camp, and um, the kids are super excited about it, and it spans the entire age bracket of our children's ministry, which begins at age 2 through age 11, and so each class will be teaching the exact same things, so... It may be listening. It may be armor of God. But they will adapt it to the age bracket in which they are teaching. For instance, Donna Brooks has the two- and three-year-olds. So she is going to have to bring it to a level to where they will comprehend it. And she'll have to be quick about it because she's not going to keep their attention for very long. But I do suggest teaching the same thing, just putting it on a level that their age bracket will understand.
0: All right, any other questions? While you're thinking of your question, I'll also add that these older students that have been here assisting tonight, you saw them working. Uh, the older students, they were some of the very first to go through kids' prayer. And what has developed out of them, and what uh, we know that maybe some of you, particularly if you're guests, uh, may not know is that many of these young people, even some of these younger children that I could hand a microphone to right now, and they can stand up and boldly pray with power and authority, and that has come out of kids' prayer. And so that's what, uh, over the course of time, it doesn't happen in a week or two or a month, but over the course of time, that that builds the confidence in them to be able to pray boldly. And we have some young people, uh, some of these students that are here tonight, that is just mind-boggling. When it comes time to pray, uh, to watch the passion in which that they pray. And this is all part of what focusing on kids' prayer. As a pastor, uh, I have learned that uh, something that was said to me many years ago, you get what you preach, you get what you teach, And uh, with children, you get what you affirm. And so if you have children in your home, whatever you affirm, if you affirm sports, they will excel. And if you affirm their walk with the Lord, affirm prayer in them, you will see them grow and develop. So what you are affirming, and so affirming them in prayer, and uh, to leaders and teachers, affirming them in your classroom, affirming them as you are teaching and letting it be said how great they are doing that means so much to them all right enough of what i've got to say uh, sister sherry the question that they're asking is does a youth benefit as much as a young child absolutely i'm i'm the new guy up here <laughs> So as they're
1: teaching me, I absolutely plan on putting it together for our young people because I hear that we've got a lot that have missed or they were too old or they've come in since, so we definitely want to bring it in on their level so that they can learn. We need people that know how to pray.
0: Now, and I'll add to that, age-specific is important. A teenager might not enjoy uh, having uh, crayons given to them and uh, you know, but they may—you never know the interest level. You 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 never know, and, but it's whatever level. All right, I sell another yes, just a reading. They're asking how many sessions does it take to present this and to get this functioning.
3: This is not a curriculum, so there's really no time frame. Now, boot camp is a curriculum. But in order to teach boot camp you need to have the knowledge of the seven essentials which was exactly why that we chose to do this training session because this place is laced with our children's ministry staff who had never been through it we started very simple with worship and we worked on it and worked on it and worked on it until the kids got it once we sensed that we got it we moved to listening and practiced the listening aspect, and we'd go between between the worship and the listening. So it's really a sensitivity to know whether or not that they're catching it and when the time is to move on. And then even as you move on, you'll reach back and revisit just so that you're getting those as building blocks, getting them grounded in it.
0: And to help answer that question, since I'm over here and not in with kids, but I pay close attention to what is going on uh, with our children's ministry staff, things such as when they are teaching just one element, such as like the 10:40 window, for, insta- for instance. I recall Sister Brooks and you were very instrumental in, in during that time. Uh, it was there was literally uh, two or three months of focus. On the 1040 window until the kids could just talk about it. And so every week they were coming back and going back over it and back over it until the the children really understood it. And here's the issue. It never really goes away. That starts being a fixture in kids prayer. So imagine, imagine your prayer room being set up where that now becomes a fixture. Now there is a new focus and so it's one of the other elements of kids prayer and so we come back and touch this and we don't have to teach it because they already know it. So we touch this and now we spend our time teaching the next element then we'll come back and touch until they have it and now it's touch, touch and the next and so it just depends on the age group and how long it takes for them to really develop that. All right. Other questions? Anyone? Yes, Sister Beavis. I'm deaf, so uh, yell loud. Do, she's asking, do you teach this in lieu of curriculum? Do you teach it on Sunday? On Wednesday, do you do it in lieu of curriculum, or do you do it in conjunction with, with curriculum? When we, when we first
3: came across it, I think I shared with you, we were looking for curriculum for Wednesday night because we couldn't find anything. Our teachers also get uh, frustrated with publishing house curriculum because every two years it repeats itself (laughs) so if you have a child that is for instance some of our classes span three ages so seven eight nine so if a kid came in at the one that came in at seven years old is going to have to turn around and go back through it again so i do suggest teaching kids prayer at some point and that being the sole focus um, we were doing that strictly on Wednesday nights, but the way that it is going to fall with boot camp, we are actually doing Sunday morning and Wednesday night because the idea is, is that your entire staff at some point in their lesson incorporates one of the fundamentals, even when we're past a boot camp, because we're trying to create a culture, and I think that is the difference. It's not about a curriculum, it's not about how, the, how can we entertain them for the next hour and a half. But the idea is, is how can we create a culture that this becomes who they are and this is how they grow up? So, yes, you can do it in conjunction with, you can teach it on its own. But I do suggest that your staff, as it begins to take hold, that they always touch something during every session about kids' prayer.
0: And I recall during the development process, uh, I recall you guys strategically taking 15 or 20 minutes and, and then you went on and did your lesson and did other things. But in the process of training them as they were learning, where they were not able to really cover a lot of ground, they would take 15 to 20 minutes on a Wednesday night, and then they would do 15 to 20 minutes of other of other things uh, until the kids' prayer program was. They were deep enough teaching that they could just move through the different elements of kids' prayer. And then she used the word culture, and that's kind of what has transpired in our church until it has become the culture of our church. And so that's, that's been very beneficial to us. All right. Other questions? Yes, Kristen. Kristen. Okay, I don't know if you heard the question. The question was, uh, how, do you, how does she as a parent, she has, uh, she has two age groups uh, in, her, in her house, and so how does she support them at home, particularly when she doesn't know kids' prayer?
3: That's why you're here tonight, <laughs> is to train. I put in everyone's hands um, the, the uh, materials that I have paid for. So please be very cautious not to pass those on. Um, But I did that in order to equip you, to equip parents and to equip grandparents and to equip our children's ministry staff and to get other churches um, the information that they need to be able to start taking steps. I would suggest, as especially Avery that will be going through boot camp, and I believe that um, even Kennedy will have an opportunity as the younger youth to be able to participate at some level, but they're going to come home, and they're going to begin to talk about, this is what we did, or this is what we talked about. When your children come to you and say, the Lord just spoke to me, do not dismiss them, Do not dismiss them, because if you dismiss them, they will dismiss the voice of God. And so when they come to you and they say, Jesus, just talk to me, ask the question, what did he say? And begin to build on that. You can, at night, when you're saying their prayers with them, take a moment of silence and See what the Lord has to say. So all of these little tidbits you can start doing at home. This is our goal. We are going to spend from August the 30th through November 1st at boot camp every Sunday and every Wednesday because what we are trying to do is we are trying to catch this younger generation and the younger generation of youth and get them grounded in these essentials. We go into a short holiday span And then what comes in January? Not the awakening anymore. The great awakening. And my plan is, at that point, we are going to start focusing on building family altars with kids' prayer. And so, as a ministry, my goal is to help parents be able to institute what we are teaching their children... To where it's not only a culture for the church, it becomes the culture in your homes. So we will do everything within our power to be able to put in your hands. And any time that there are any questions, come and let us know. And we'll either explain it or we'll put it in your hands or give you ideas and uh, help you to be able to, to reinforce it.
0: All right, I'm going to share just a little bit of what I already know about what's going to come in January with the building of altars, all right? We have dads. Some are handy and some are not, but we're going to actually have workshop time for the whole family is going to be involved in building physical altars in conjunction with the teaching and training of what it means to build an altar spiritually. So there's a, there's a little tidbit, something you can take home and do, so... Kristen, along with what what uh, my wife was saying, the affirmation in children is so very important. With, my, with our boys, because they started when they were very, very young, and every time they came to me and said that God spoke, I always stopped and listened. Sometimes God spoke, but when God said on Wednesday night we're supposed to go to Dairy Queen, <laughs> it n- might not be God. <laughs> Not every time. And uh, I didn't take them home and wear them out over it. All right? I didn't take them home and wear them out over it. We just kind of moved on. And if I saw them or heard them saying something that was unbiblical or out of sorts, I often didn't give correction at the moment that they said God spoke to them. I usually would wait a day or two and then sit down with them and talk to them about whatever it is that they had mentioned and try to give them biblical basis for why and what the Lord would be saying and what the Lord would try to do. So you're, you're giving direction to that. Now believe me that in the realm of ministry, I have taken some pretty hard hits on the chin for affirming my children. Now they've grown up and they're young men. They're, they're all except one. I think you're taller than me. And he's probably smarter than me. So, And I've taken some pretty hard hits on the chin because people have thought that are, have suggested that the idea is that I am pushing them into ministry or pushing them into prayer. Not at all. All we have done is affirmed. When they come and say, Dad, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking, wonderful, what are you going to do with it? And I try to steer them and guide them and direct them, but never one time have I come back to them and said, Hey, you need to be doing this. And you need to be... Not at all. We've, we've affirmed them. And we've tried to give direction when they're out of line, when they're out of order. We try to bring that back into focus. And whoever says whatever, let them say it. I got three boys still living for God. That's in this society. Thank God they're still living for God. Have they always gotten it right? Probably not. Will they always get it right? Probably not. But affirm them when they are. Affirm what they're doing. All right, we'll take time for just a few more questions if you have them. I saw hands going up everywhere a second ago. All right? You're wanting to ask when we're getting out, right? I see that question. All right, any other questions? If not, I won't belabor the points here. All right? Any other questions? Nobody? Nobody?
3: This was just the tip of the iceberg, and although it took two and a half hours, we barely touched the surface. I do highly suggest that if you have the availability in your schedule to get on um, kidsprayer.com or you can go to WNOP.org, World Network of Prayer, they offer a training seminar um, it usually starts Thursday night, all day Friday, Friday night, and Saturday morning. And it will go in-depth with a lot more than what we even touched on. They also, um, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with the two girls that have established and continue to run Kids Prayer. When you walk out uh, these doors, you're going to see a table with different items that they sent that you can look at. If you're interested, you can order. I have order forms out there. Fill out your information. We'll send them to you, and they'll ship it directly to your house. But there's some great things—not just for children's ministry staffs, but also for parents and grandparents.
0: Oh, and we have cookies and drinks. All right, good deal. That hey, hey, look here, cookies and drinks. Woo! Let's stand together. I think it would be appropriate to have one of our kids pray a dismissal prayer tonight. What do you say? All right, Gentry, you want to pray a dismissal prayer? Step right up here.
5: Jesus, thank you for having us here today and worshiping you, Joe Jesus. I ask that you would help us when we go home. I ask that you would help us when we are in our lives, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: God bless you. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Go and get some next door, next door. All right, so things are kind of decorated over there, you're saying? Okay, it's decorated for boot camp, so please be cautious, but uh, go get some cookies. God bless you.